Well, good morning. I want to welcome you for joining us, however you may be tuning in, whether that's Facebook, YouTube, Church Online, Fox, any of those avenues. We're just so glad that you're taking part of your Sunday to join us at first here this morning. Today we are in week three of our teaching series, kind of through the book of Psalms. Now we're not going all the way through it because it's like 150 chapters and that would take like 12 years and we ain't got that kind of time. But we're kind of doing an overview of how to read different Psalms and how to engage with each one. But every week we've been starting with the whole uh, same idea and premise of what the book of Psalms is all about. So if you get nothing out of today or you've missed the last couple weeks, let me give you kind of the whole point of the book of Psalms. It's this. So the book of Psalms, they are an expression of the heart of God's people to God. These songs, these prayers, these nuggets of wisdom. But at the same time too, they're an expression of God's heart to God's people. And so it's this relatable expression that as we see people yearn and shout and sing and want to dance, they're happy, sad, confused, angry, expressing their faith, their emotions, their feelings towards God. It's God's way of saying, yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm in this boat too. And what we've been saying is that there are three different types of Psalms that we can encounter. Number one, that there are psalms of lament. And we talked about this last week, that that lament is not quite the same thing as sadness. Um, But it's this idea of this brokenness that we yearn for it to be back together. Psalms of lament talk about God being our righteous judge. Today we're going to talk about psalms of wisdom, that there are things in life being passed on from person to person, that God is our refuge through it all. And then there are also psalms of praise that we'll look at next week. Praises, songs to God being the creator, redeemer. Last week, we uh, had a couple friends, Pastor Fielder and Pastor Comer, join us on this stage, and we're able to talk about Psalms of Lament together. So if you have an opportunity to watch that message, I would highly encourage you sometime today, this week, uh, visit our Facebook or YouTube page to catch up on that message to see how we can learn to lament with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But today we're going to dive into Psalms of Wisdom. So if you have your Bible, iPhone, tablet, whatever it is, turn with me to Psalm chapter 46. Psalm 46. And what this psalm is going to address is going to be something I think we can all relate to, but especially during the season that we have been living is, is this. It's this idea of disruption. See, what Psalm 46 is going to seek to do is say, as a result of the sin in the world, God didn't create the world to be chaotic or for us to live in chaos. But now because of sin, this brokenness, the nature, the world in general, oftentimes feels disrupted or chaotic. Now for you, that might be the situation we're in. Maybe when you look at your own life, your, the busyness that you're faced with, the priorities of your life, the idols, the rhythms, the laborious schedules, you might begin to say, you know what? I feel this in me. I feel this in my heart, this disruption that something isn't quite on par as we want it to be. You see, when that disruption hits, we all kind of do the same thing. We begin to seek balance, sanity, safety, strength, comfort. It's a part of life to face disruption, and it's also a part of life to figure out how to get through it. 
And Psalm 46 is going to give us a piece of wisdom of how we can endure disruption and chaos when it comes our way in life. So if you're, as you're turning there, the book of Psalms is the biggest book of the Bible. It's smack dab in the, in the middle, 150 chapters or 150 Psalms as they're known. The Psalms were written songs or prayers uh, of the ancient Israelite people expressing their faith towards God. They're great places to learn how to pray, to wrestle with God or direct those feelings that you're not sure if you're allowed to or not when it comes to your relationship with him. Psalm 46, verse 1, this is where we're going to start this morning. Follow along with me. It says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Now, verse 1 is kind of like the thesis. It's kind of putting it out there. Hey, here's just kind of what I need you to know as we start off. And he says, we have an ever-present help in trouble. Now, if you're like me, this kind of does two things. Number one, it gives me a sense of comfort knowing that God will be there with me in the midst of trouble. But it's also not so comforting because it's almost like saying that troubles will certainly be coming my way. The thing is, I think sometimes we think or assume or associate or portray the Christian life as one that must be completely void of issues, chaos, troubles, turmoil, that somehow if we accept Jesus into our heart, he becomes this genie fairy God that purely exists to make our lives magical and easy, to protect us from all the harder things of life. I hate to break it to you. If you're looking for that God, kind of exist to just simply make your life easy, and the Christian life is not for you. Because according to the Bible, according to our God, that God doesn't exist. But if you want a God that's going to step into the mess of your life, step into the reality of the chaos, the disruption that ensues and hits us all, then the gospel of Jesus is exactly where you need to be. That's why the psalmist starts to point out and says, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of trouble, you have a source of refuge and strength. And that that, that word and is so important because they're intertwined. Because don't we all get this idea that, that where or who we retreat to in the midst of trouble is where we feel the most safe, the most secure, and the most strong? Like, think about it for a moment. Think about the moments or the seasons of your life when it was the most chaotic, the most fearful, uncertain, disruptive. Who or what did you turn to, retreat to? Where did you seek refuge during those seasons? So this is kind of like what wisdom psalms seek to do is they're going to give us a piece of advice and then they're going to lead us into this explanation of why or how they got there. And so the wisdom that the psalmist in Psalm 46 is trying to give us, he's saying is that, that if you claim to know God, if you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a source of refuge and strength and being the key word to retreat to, to have a source of power when the troubles in life arise. So then he picks up in verse two. 
He says, let me show you why we need a place of refuge and strength of these troubles. Verse 2 of 46 continues. He says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help at her break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's beautiful poetry here in these verses. Psalm is saying, I've chosen not to fear because God is my source of refuge and strength. That even though the world around me is crumbling, I have found a place of refuge. So what about you? When the chaos of life ensues, the disruption of the world is going on in your life. Where do you find refuge? You know, because I, I don't know about you, but I've definitely had moments and seasons where I would definitely classify them as, as problematic, as troubling, disrupted, falling apart. Sometimes my refuge was a hobby. Sometimes my refuge was was myself, isolate, just get away from people. Sometimes my refuge was to just be angry and lash out, whether that was at God or whatever was around me. So let me ask you, let me put it this way. Who, or maybe what, gives you rest when disruption when those moments hit your life, is it the God of Jacob? Is it Yahweh? Is it the name of Jesus and his good gospel message? Or is it perhaps a refuge that the world suggests that might give you a sense of comfort, of security or control? What the psalmist is doing, he's pleading. He's saying, please take my advice. You have a source of ever-present help, a refuge and strength in the midst of it all. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the world crumbling, God wants to be your refuge. Will you run to him? And then in verse 8, the psalmist kind of gives us an insight as how he arrived at this realization. That's how Psalm 46 continues and wraps up in verse 8. He says, come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So let me just let me just give you like a, this is kind of like a recap here. Okay, so here's what kind of happens in verse, or uh, in Psalm 46. He starts off, he says, God is, is, is our, our refuge, find strength in him. And, and people are kind of like, well, 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 why? What do I need refuge for in this life? And he says, well, let me explain it to you. The world is crumbling. It's falling apart. The waves are roaring. The kingdoms are melting. People are making bad choices. Our pets' heads are falling off. Like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And then he just kind of says, but I had this light bulb moment. I had this time which I was wrestling with. Why is this happening? What is going on around me? And then I remembered what my God said to me in the midst of chaos, in the midst of disruption, when the craziness of life picks up, be still and know that I am God. It's God's way of kindly reminding us, saying, remember that I am God and you are not. That I will be with you that he is to be feared and to be exalted amidst it all. You know, these, these words, this command, this, this exhortation to be still might sound a little bit familiar to you if you've encountered the life of Jesus. I want to invite you to uh, flip over to the New Testament to, to Mark chapter 4 with, with me this morning. And I kind of want to give you a uh, set up what's happening in this story before we get there. And so at this point, Jesus, he's been, been teaching with parables. He's, he's, he's healed a paralyzed man. He, he raised, uh, healed the dude on, on the Sabbath. And all of these crowds are starting to gather around Jesus. He's causing a commotion because of the things that he's teaching and then all the people that are being fed. And so, so people are just freaking out because this Jesus cat is just kind of turning the world upside down. And Jesus is getting a little tired. He kind of wanted to get away from people. And so he looks at his disciples, his 12 closest friends. He's like, yo, we need to get out of here for a little bit. So, so let's do this. Uh, let's hop in this boat and let's go to the other side of the sea and we'll get, we'll get, we'll get some rest over there. And so his disciples, the 12 of them, are like, sweet, let's do it. Let's tight, let's go. And so they hop in a boat and they begin embarking. They're going across the sea, and it's the middle of the night, and the storm just is raging. You've got these men, these, these young men, some of them were fishermen, and this storm is just bonkers. The waves are crashing over, and they start freaking out because the storm is so big. It's like nothing they've ever experienced. You've got these guys being like, oh, we're all going to die. And people are like, somebody find Jesus. Where's Jesus? I don't know. Have you seen Jesus? I don't know. Just somebody just find him. And Peter's hacking his guts out, and John's over in the corner rocking because he doesn't know what to do. And so finally someone says, okay, that's it. I'll go find Jesus. And he'd go into the stern of the boat, and there's Jesus, snug like a bug on a rug, napping. In the middle of a hurricane. And they wake him up. Jesus, you, you just, you, you, you got to get up. And this is what happens next. I love this. Mark chapter 4, verse 38. So Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a kitchen. 
uh, on a cushion. And then the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Here's the thing. Jesus is God, right? Jesus is part of the Trinity. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He put them on a boat, called them into a sea, knowing that this storm was coming. This major disruption was on the horizon. And they wake him up. Jesus, don't you care about us? Like we are gonna die. And he's just like, why are you so afraid? Well, because well, well, we're gonna die. Aren't you afraid too? And this is where I'd make a really bad Jesus because I'd be like, no. I'm Jesus, I wouldn't, I'm, I've got it covered. Good luck to you guys, right? These were experienced fishermen. And what they were experiencing here was not a natural or simple storm. There was a major disruption going on. They're like, Jesus, the world is literally crashing down on us. Do something! He just kind of looks at them. Let's them squirm a little bit. At least I would. <laughs> he looks at the wind and the waves. Quiet. Be still. And it all stops. The disciples really just start freaking out, I think, at this point. Did he just, did you all just, what, what just happened here? Am I seeing something or am I dreaming? What, what is going on here? It's just he, he slowly turns and addresses his peeps. So he goes, why are you guys still afraid? You still have no faith? So I feel like what Jesus is trying to say here is, you know why you woke me up, right? That when there is this storm, when there is this disruption going on that you knew you could not control, you came and got me. Because you knew that I was bigger than it. If you have enough faith to call on my name, then you know I exist to control what you cannot. See, the disciples, they started off with a fear of death in this story, and they arrived at a fear of the Lord. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? It arrives, it reminds me of how C.S. Lewis uh, in his Chronicles of Narnia described when we first meet Aslan the lion. They described Aslan. He says, tell me about Aslan. Lion, is he safe? No. He most certainly is not safe, says Mr. Beaver. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Is our God safe? I don't know. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. 
See, what's happening with the disciples in this moment is they were no longer consumed with the refuges of their heart that they sought out in this life. Because in that moment of utter disruption, they were all gone. In a few mere moments, any refuge that they could have sought out did nothing for them. They couldn't find rest in their family, their job, their 401k, the scholarship, the health, the promotion, all of it. It was gone in an instant. The the troubles of the world eradicated anything and everything that the busyness of life got them. You ever think that we get tossed around by the disruption of life? It's not so much of that chaos, but that we're so busy looking at the storm that we forget to seek refuge in the one who has the power to control it. That perhaps we've made fortresses out of created things, seeking rest, comfort, security, strength, instead of running to the creator of all things. See, this is where that command to be still kind of takes on a new form and shape for us, doesn't it? See, being still isn't just about slowing down. It's also recognizing the power and the majesty of God. But it's only when we are still that we can recognize the power and the mightiness of a fortress. It's only when we stop that we can begin to marvel and to give respect and honor due for the fortress that we are considering stepping within its walls. You see, if we take this story from Mark 4 and we lay it over Psalm 46, there is wisdom encouraging us to consider the refuge and strength of our lives. That when disruption drops and the chaos hits, will you retreat to the God of Jacob as your fortress? Or do you find yourself running somewhere else? You see, what stillness does for us is this. It slows us down enough to realize what we have perhaps been mastered by other than God. Because when you are still, everything else in life comes to a screeching halt. But here's the thing that I think we need to get out of this wisdom. As Americans, Westerners, 21st century, constantly on the go, slamming our schedules, always pursuing more and better and and just trying to build everything up, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps is this. Is that you can never be still if you're always busy. You can never be still if you're always busy. And the psalmist is trying to say that ain't no way to live nor is it a way to cope with the disruptions of life, to just busy yourself so much that you find it almost impossible to be still. You know, just like I do deep down, this feeling, right? This feeling, the discontent of stockpiled schedules and overcommitted lives that don't really resonate what we're chasing after. And that sometimes we talk about how we're so tired. 
We're worn down. We're just not thinking straight like we used to. What happens to us is we think that busyness keeps us safe. But it's really only a facade. That, that, that we tell ourselves, we're convinced, or our society has told us, that if you stay busy enough, if you work hard enough, you will either succeed at how the world around you wants to give you power, safety, comfort, security, or at least, at a minimum, you will be so busy that you won't have to actually deal with the lack of strength that those fortresses seek to give you. tell ourselves, I'll busy myself with work, with making money, and hopefully then I can, I can will or pay my way through all of the troubles of life. I will busy my family with hobbies, vacations, sports, and they will find meaning or identity or strength there. I will reject stillness with God to inject the idols of vacancy with social media, with Netflix, or even faux spiritual things to fill the void. Let me just challenge you for a moment with this thought as we close this morning. When was the last time? When was the last time you said no to something so that you could be still with God? When was the last time you said, I am going to intentionally hit the brinks of my life, of my schedule, of my family, of my spending, of everything, so that I can just be still with God? To feel safe, to feel comfortable, to feel strong in Him as my fortress. Stillness. It's the only way to remind ourselves that the only eternal constant in life is the presence of God. The wisdom of Psalm 46 is simple. He's saying, I've experienced disruption just like I know you have. It's all around us. And only the refuge and strength of God has gotten me through. I suggest you do the same. So how do you run to God as your refuge and strength? Two simple words. Be still. Be still. The same command to an unruly storm is to the same disruption of our lives. We be still because he is good and we are not, because he is our God, our refuge, and strength. That is the wisdom to be found in Psalm 46. Let's move to our time of response. My five-year-old son is so sweet and so kind, but for the love of it all, cannot stop moving his body. I mean, every day, we're doing flips, we're jumping, we're karate chopping the air, running over here, running over there. I mean, the movement is constant. If I had a dollar for every time I said, hey, bud, could you just like be still? 
Could you just slow down and stop? Can we take a rest? I mean, Bahama vacations for everybody. All inclusive, bring your friends. This morning I was getting ready upstairs and I could literally hear his energy downstairs. And I could hear my husband saying, hey, can we just be still so we can focus on what we have to do next? And I'm just rolling my eyes and shaking my head because this is like the 10th time we've told him that same exact thing in the 20 minutes that we've been awake. And I'm just thinking, oh, when is he going to get it? When is it going to click? And then mm, the Lord just speaks to my heart in the way that only he can. And I just hear his voice say, yeah, Jackie, when are you going to get it? When are you going to be still? Man, if I'm honest, sometimes the last thing in the world that I am is still. I've got a little bit of FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. And by like a little bit, I mean a lot a bit. I don't like missing out on things, but man, do I miss out on so much more when I don't take the time to just stop, to be still, to take a breath and just remember that God is God and I am not. I don't have to have the answers. I don't have to have it figured out because he fights my battles and he guides my steps and I just need to be still enough to listen to his voice. This morning, we're gonna take communion and we're gonna take the bread, which symbolizes the body that has been broken for you and the juice, which symbolizes the blood that has been shed for you. And I want you to just take a moment to be still, to remember the sacrifice that was given for you and the plan that God had from the beginning to restore what was broken. Eat and drink. Another way that we like to respond here at first is through giving. We believe in life-giving generosity here for our community and for our world. And so if you're prepared to give this morning, we encourage you to do so through the Give app. I would like to close out our service by reading the last two verses from Psalm 46. The psalmist really understands that even in the midst of chaos or in the midst of the calm, the wisest thing that we can do is to just always trust God. Psalm 46, 9 through 11 says, He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress.